Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. My name is Mark Ellis on location from Seattle, Washington. This is where a member of my family lives, and so I'm here hanging out for the week. And if you're watching this on any of our streaming services that we partner with, you'll see in the background a painting that my grandpa did. That is the Jersey Devil, Jacqueline Coley, my esteemed co-host. You're looking at the Jersey Devil. How cool is that? I just like the fact that we're looking at like Mark Ellis's entire lineage in the background. I see kids pictures like this is this is taking a peek behind the curtain, ladies and gentlemen, deep into his subconscious. This is Uncle Mark in his finest. Yeah, well, it, it, it's sort of like what my life could have been if I pursued a different <laughs> path. And so I'm very happy pursuing the path that I did pursue because it led me up to Seattle also to do stand-up. So thank you to everybody that came to see me at El Corazon. And that actually ties in with the movie we're talking about today because after the show, did a big show. By the way, that venue, first time Pearl Jam ever set foot on stage was at that venue. And then wow. years later... This idiot. So then we did the meet and greet <laughs> afterwards, and there's a bar set up. And Jacqueline, I'm telling you, I should have taken a picture. The bar looked exactly like the bar in Suicide Squad, wow. where they're all sitting around, regrouping, getting ready for that third act that uh, maybe I'm not the biggest fan of. But hey, that's what we're talking about today. The Oscar-winning film Suicide Squad, directed by David Ayer, starring a host of great actors and also one uh, lizard, crocodile, alligator person. The movie came out in 2016. 26% rotten on the tomato meter. 26%. The audience score almost got to fresh territory, tapping out at 59%. So just one more percent. Just one more audience <laughs> score. It could have gotten to fresh. But it is a rotten movie, according to the tomato meter. And so we're obviously excited about James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, which is coming out, I believe, tomorrow is when that movie comes out in theaters. So a whole lot of excitement in the world of comic book movies right now. But Jacqueline Coley, we have a very special guest today. And she is not only one of the founding members of the World Girls. She not only does a daily show that she started in the pandemic and she literally shows up every day to do Live at the Roxy. And speaking of movies, she has a really cool film project that she is going to be, I believe, on location for a number of weeks after this recording. She's hopping on a jet plane, so we have her now. She is the one, the only, one of my dear friends, Miss Roxy Stryer. Hello, Miss Stryer. Are we still woo people? Woo, 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 woo. Oh, yeah. 
anymore. No. I mean, right. COVID's back. Let's bring woos back. Yeah, that's I'm down what I'm for thinking. It. I'm just always been a woo girl. <laughs> now I don't know what's cool anymore. It's, it's still strange, but woo, woo, woo. I'm here. Uh, and I'm so, so happy that you guys let me on for this episode. I can't even explain to you how much I want to talk about this today. I can't explain it. Like, th- thank this is a gift to me. This is like a, a late birthday present to me. <laughs> hey, this is, you know, you you had a big birthday recently, so we wanted to spoil you. And as the world girl gives wooing a world, now we get to hear your thoughts first on Suicide Squad. So Roxy, just quickly tell me if Rotten Tomatoes is right or wrong when it comes to Suicide Squad with that 26% rotten. This is the, I can't, I can't even preface I have to just get to it. This is the most wrong Rotten Tomatoes has ever been about any movie ever that ever existed. <laughs> I cannot believe how rotten Rotten Tomatoes thinks that this movie is when it's incredible. I am such a fan of Suicide Squad because I lack any ability to to care about anything other than did I enjoy myself? And oh my God, every time I watch this movie, I enjoy myself so much. It has, it's the least pretentious movie. It is so weird. It at times fine, doesn't make sense. It has a hodgepodge of Motley crew characters that are on some scale of meh to amazing, but together everything all combined, this movie is so much fun. And that's all I care about. It's all I care about. It is one of the most entertaining DC films, if not comic book films ever. And all that plus Harley plus Will Smith. I mean, what what more were people wanting from this film? I don't understand. I don't get what movie people were watching. 20. Somebody pissed in somebody's cereal and they were not happy about this film, but not me. I had milk that day. Oh, no. I'm, I'm, I'm glad your healthy. Wheaties were kosher. I mean, Roxy, you take a look at this movie and we're going to get all the, the scene breakdown and what we loved about it, what maybe we didn't love about it. And uh, there's a lot to digest with the behind the scenes, the making of this movie. So we'll get to that a little bit later on in the show, too. So, Roxy, I'm going to need your number, what, what number you think this movie should be. But before we get to that, I will turn it over to my esteemed co-host for a synopsis of Suicide Squad. Jacqueline Coley. What the hell is this movie about? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, let's go back to 2016 and the Suicide Squad, because this is what we have here. We've got David Ayers bringing together a cast of characters that includes Deadshot, played by Will Smith, Harley Quinn, played by Margot Robbie, uh, Captain Boomerang, played by Jai Courtney, and Jay Hernandez playing the Fire Demon. I mean, these are the bad guys, as they like to say. And Viola Davis, as Amanda Waller, has put all of these cast of characters together and said, you guys are out there to go save the world. It's called Project X because she thinks, hey, what if the next Superman is a bad guy. We may need some bad guys to help solve it. So they bring in the dirty dozen or half dozen in this case, I guess. They get to go save the world. And the person they're trying to battle in this is played by Cara Devine and she plays Enchantress. She is a ancient being that is trying to take over the world with space lasers things that, you know, she's going to make a weapon to end the world. And they go save the world There's lots of music. 
lots of music, a little bit of superhero stuff, and uh, the Joker pops up. Yeah, Jacqueline, I I didn't hear that. Did you say that there's music in the movie? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's amazingly. (laughs) You can barely tell that they have some musical cues. You got to look for it. Yeah. But you got but if you listen hard you can you can hear it. No, this movie this is a music video with superhero elements. Okay. That that that's a very fair synopsis and I I feel bad for any insurance agent in the greater city of Chicago because man did that city get wrecked at the yeah. third act of this movie. And maybe the movie itself got a little wrecked by the third act. So, we're going to talk about all this, but first, hey, producer Lucy's here. Hi Lucy. Hello. I was engrossed in that synopsis. Took me a while to unmute myself. How's it going? How's it um, going, everyone? We're thrilled to be joined by you. Do you have f- thoughts on Suicide Squad? Are you excited about the new one? I'm very excited about the new one. I love James Gunn, who did Guardians, and I, I loved Guardians number one. So I'm curious to see. I'm a little nervous that he's just like redoing it for DC, but hopefully there's a fresh thing going on. But yeah, I love ensemble films. I'm very excited. <laughs> this is certainly one of them. So 2016 Suicide Squad directed by David Ayer, Roxy. Now we get to hear, you clearly think Rotten Tomatoes is wrong with your impassioned speech at the top of the show. What number on the tomato meter should Suicide Squad be? Are you going high? Are you going 80s? Are you going 90s? This not only should be double and not only triple what the score is, but yeah, I put this at an actual 80. An eight zero. Is it the best movie I've ever seen in my life? You know, that's in the 98 territory. No, but are we calling this a C movie in the 70s? Only if you're only if you hate life and fun and all the good things in our because you don't understand movies. You don't understand. You don't you don't want to enjoy yourself. Eat your popcorn. Enjoy your movie. Thank you for noticing, Jacqueline, that this is a music video and a movie at the same time. <laughs> That's what I've wanted my whole life. Music me. Okay. Yes. Roxy's got the Roxy gets it to a B minus, where if it was triple its score, it would have been 78%. That's like a high C. That's like a Mark Ellis college grade. Jacqueline Coley, what do you think this should be? Do you agree with our incredible guest? Ten. Ten. Out of ten. percent out of a hundred. <laughs> this is going to be so much fun today. <laughs> I'm really going to try like, and I give five for Will. Mm-hmm. I give actually, you know what? I give four for Will because he had to show his face all the time. I give five for Harley Quinn and I give one for Jai Courtney. What did I do? What did I do to you, Jacqueline? <laughs> Nothing. I mean, look, I am not even like, we'll get into this about me and Suicide Squad in DC, but it's it's going to be so interesting for me to break down with this because I've lost all emotion when it comes to this franchise, to these filmmakers, to this film. If you would have spoken to me back in 2017, 18, I would have had so much fury and anger at the disappointment that this film was for me. And now I can just look at it with mild amusement to be like, oh, I'm so sorry y'all had to make that. And made it, they did. But was it the version that the director, that the stars thought they were getting when it was released? We get to talk about all of that stuff. I personally think Rotten Tomatoes is wrong on this. I think 26% is too low. I I didn't love this movie. I actually agree with what the audience score of this movie is. So I think like that 
55 to, I'll go 59%. I'll put it right there on the Spaceballs number where it is so, so, so close to being fresh. That's where I think this movie belongs because I really loved a lot in this movie. But man, did, once Enchantress shows up, I just lost everything that I was enjoying about that movie for the duration there. that's pretty early, Mark. That's pretty well, early. When she shows up and like we're actually battling her and we're not just having fun with our various music themes and introducing characters anymore. Okay. So we are going to talk about Suicide Squad in just a sec. But right now we have one of my favorite segments because it gives us a break and we turn it over to Tim Ryan, our expert review curation manager here at Rotten Tomatoes for Two Minutes with Tim. Two Minutes with Tim. After Batman v Superman was criticized for being too grim, there were hopes that Suicide Squad would lighten things up a little bit within the DCEU. But the result, according to critics, was a mishmash with too many characters, too many wisecracks, and not enough coherent storytelling. It's a 26% on the tomato meter with 385 reviews, and it has a 59% audience score. So what did the critics have to say? In a rotten review, Todd McCarthy of The Hollywood Reporter wrote, a puzzlingly confused undertaking that never becomes as cool as it thinks it is, Suicide Squad assembles an all-star team of supervillains and then doesn't know what to do with them. However, in a fresh review, Tony Hicks of the San Jose Mercury News wrote, it will be interesting to see where DC takes these characters after the semi-delightful mess that is Suicide Squad. But for now, just enjoy the sloppy and wild ride. Rotten Tomatoes critics' consensus reads, Suicide Squad boasts a talented cast and a little more humor than previous DCEU efforts, but they aren't enough to save the disappointing end result from a muddled plot, thinly written characters, and choppy directing. So that's Suicide Squad. And don't forget, Mark and Jacqueline are the bad guys. Wait, are you're the, you're the good guys. I'm confused. Let's move on. We're the bad guy. We're not the worst. And so that's why yeah. they got us out of prison and put that chip in us so that we can do a podcast every week because, again, we're not the worst. So let's kick it off. Let's get right into movie talk. Let's talk about, first of all, the trailer. Let's talk about the scenes that we love, the scenes that disappointed us, who the standout in the movie was, all that stuff coming up right now. Yeah, there was a lot of excitement for this movie, and going back and watching the trailers, you notice a slightly different tone with each ensuing trailer, but Roxy, was this a movie that you had a lot of hype for, like, going in? Did, did you know a lot about the property? Was this, like, you're pinning your summer movie hopes on this movie? Yeah, absolutely. At the time, I was hosting DC Movie News, so I was so in the DC world. It was like somebody would chip a tooth and we would talk about it for two hours during a show. So at this point, going into Suicide Squad, I was full blown in that world. And so the hype was real for me. And then I think like everybody else on the planet, after watching that trailer, the hype just got more real. People thought that this was going to be just the bee's knees an expression that I have not used since 1947. I guess I should have kept it there. People thought it was going to be amazing. People thought that this movie was going to be just so great. I don't know when other people got off that wagon. I just stayed on that train. But yeah, I was so, so excited about this. And we heard rumblings about what was going on behind the scenes on set. And there, in the age of social media, we were getting tons of different posts about this. Definitely, definitely was going into this thinking, wow, I'm about to be blown away. But it had no pressure on it at the same time because we weren't getting Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman or Flash or Aquaman, you know, these characters that 
people have such attachments to a lot of these characters were people we were seeing for the first time in live action. And so I thought that they were going to just be able to play and have fun. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Yeah, and, and that was the big thing, Jacqueline. I, I, you were probably like working at Comic-Con doing actual things, and I was just in Hall H, and David Ayer came on stage, and this is a few weeks before Suicide Squad comes out, and the big selling point of this movie was like, hey, Marvel, we, we know they're doing great things, but they don't have great villains. We have all these cool villains in one movie, and they're all going to team up, and so I was pretty excited to see what Suicide Squad was. I don't know what your hype level was, but is it was it anywhere near the anticipation that Roxy had for this? Or were you already done by then? No, I was so hyped for this movie. I remember following the casting news so intently. And the reason why I was so hyped is I might add what Warner Brothers has not been able to really do with their live action. I have to say that their animated features by and large are absolutely incredible. And I've seen all of them. And there is this great animated feature about the Suicide Squad called Assault on Arkham. It had Deadshot, it had Harley Quinn. It's almost the exact same storyline of this one, but it was actually coherent and done well. And I thought if nothing else, if they just refilm that with Will Smith and Margot Robbie, Like the biggest worry I had going into this movie was like Jai Courtney, who was like the guy that kept showing up in all these movies. And like, we didn't really know what to make of him. Like he was in the Divergent series and it was like, okay, there's a lot of Jai Courtney happening, but I don't really know why he's such a thing. Completely wrong with that. He was actually one of the better parts of this film. But yeah, I was, that was the biggest worry. I was like, how can you mess it up with Will Smith and Margot Robbie? How? There's no way you could mess that up, right? They found a way. So and you I was have so, a new Joker, and it's yeah. like, oh well, and 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 Jared Leto, we know how method he goes, and yes. so there's just so much that we could get, and we're hearing about stuff on the set that we'll get into in behind the scenes talk. But I'm going to be selfish right now, and I'm just going to go ahead and jump into my favorite scene. One of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is the beginning, that music video portion that so many people were criticizing after they saw it. I thought it was so necessary because you have an introduction of a character and you have their own sort of theme music that is something from the pop culture lexicon, usually in the vein of rock, but occasionally they went out to different places and different genres of music to give you a sense of the character. And I loved it, A, because it's really fun to watch, like Roxy said, but it also I thought was crucial because we don't know these characters that well. At least I didn't. I didn't read Suicide Squad. I barely heard of it before they announced the movie. Movie. And so I kind of needed some sort of attitude, which they use for music, to associate with these characters just so I could have some sort of working knowledge of who they were and what they were about. And- 
Come down from there or what? <laughs> yeah, look at you. So I thought the movie kicked off with a bang. How did y'all feel? Roxy, were you a fan of the way the movie kicked off like I was? I'm so with you because I think that at an end of the movie, I don't like to be spoon fed, but at the beginning of the movie, I kind of do. And this movie just took me like the baby that I am and fed me every single bite. Here are the bullets. Here's the sound for this character. There's a lot of new characters going on, Roxy. Can you keep them all in order? And I was sitting there eating that up. I was like, yes, thank you. Please explain it all to me. And they were doing it in a way that was fun and exciting. And I just feel like at that point, they really had the audience. And and that was really fun for me because then the audience started to turn. But at that moment, in the beginning, <laughs> everybody was still with them, or at least it felt that way. I don't know if Jacqueline's on that page, though. Jacqueline, fingers crossed. No, no, I, I, I will admit that this movie definitely jumped the shark for me. But the beginning, the montage, let's get all the bad guys in place. That was done very, very well. That was great character introductions for the most part. But I will say when the movie falls apart is when the character introductions fall apart. Because the minute you introduce what's his name, it's like, this is Slipknot, the guy that can climb anything. And I'm like, who the F is this guy? He's he's definitely a red shirt. Like, I know he is not making it to the end of this because I have never heard of you. You barely made it into the trailer. What is going on? First of all, I also feel bad for that actor. I forget what his name is. I'll look it up in just a second. But he was like on the promotional tour and like part of the like big junket. And I'm like, how would you feel to be like, I'm in the movie for five minutes and people are asking me like hours worth of questions about this. I would feel so stupid. But the minute he shows up and then by the time we get to, this is Katana. She's got my back. That was when I was done. I was like, you know what? This is like, we're done with character introductions. She's just here because reasons. Like there's no point in having her. I was so over it. And it was like, that was when freaking Joel Kinnerman's character, Rick Flagg became Mr. Exposition. Like that's all he did for the rest of the movie was just <laughs> tell us the things that we maybe didn't know about. Like get her heart, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh my God. And so yeah, the opening was great, but that that particular moment, like from Slipknot and Katana forward, I was like, this thing is a house of cards. And, and it was also, the music at that point became oppressive. Like the music that they had when they were like kind of getting ready and like Harley Quinn has the gratuitous sexual assault camera video thing that they do where she's wearing those booty shorts and they just pan up for reasons. That's when I was like, oh, the music is to hide the fact that nothing interesting is happening, really. And they need to get the audience excited. And so they spent like $80 million on the music budget. I so, started but I, to feel a little like that. Yeah, towards, but, the, towards the end of the movie, I felt like it was it was leaning a little too hard into, hey, we, we, we need... Because like, I, I like a big bombastic opening. I'm a, I'm a Star Wars kid, so I want to see a huge, giant opening that shuts the audience up right away and gets us focused and locked in the movie. Suicide Squad achieved that. But, but yeah, Roxy, I I, I got to agree with Jack on where like at some point of the movie, it's like you, now you got to be a movie. You, you know, yeah. you, you got to drop that facade. By the way, Adam Beach played Slipknot and yes. was totally underutilized, in my opinion, because if yeah. you see him in Flags of Our Fathers, he is yeah. tremendous. 
and Karen Fukuhara is Katana. And so I would have liked to have seen more of them. But again, we got a lot of characters. We got to sort through this stuff. We got to give Will Smith and Margot Robbie their screen time. I totally get that. The, the, the person, though, that really stands out in this movie to me is Viola Davis it, yeah. as Amanda Waller, because there's very few performers that could get me to buy into what we're doing here. Th- th- yeah. th- we're going to bail all these people out of jail. And yeah, we're going to keep an eye on them. We're going to keep a watch on them. We can chip them in any and, and bring them back at any time. But she just sold me so hard that this is a good idea, that this is what needs to happen. And mm-hmm. I thought she was far and away the best character in the entire movie. And that's coming from a guy who worships the ground that Will Smith walks on. So Amanda Waller gets it for me. Roxy, if you had to pick one scene or one standout or both, what is it if you had to tell somebody, hey, this is the one scene and the one character that I really loved the most from Suicide Squad, what are you going with? Oh, I have all of those things, Mark. I have I have 15 scenes and all the characters, not all the characters, Enchantress can fight dust. Uh, I, I will say that Viola is a great pick. And I think if your DC heart beats as hard as mine does and you're as nerdy as I do, you watch all the CW TV shows at the time. And what had happened in the CW shows was that they ripped Amanda Waller right from the shows and told us, you actually can't have her anymore Uh, because the movies are going to take Amanda Waller. So the TV fans were like, but it's Amanda Waller. How are you going to not have her in the DC shows? Where is she going to go? So the the expectations going into Suicide Squad, I was like, she better bring it. Uh, And uh, joke's on me. Has Viola ever not brought it in her entire life? Of course she did. So that's a really good pick. On top of her, I definitely think that it's the most basic answer I can give, but Harley. Harley. I think that if you watch this movie and you're a Harley Quinn fan, uh, and I and I've been a Harley fan for long before this movie and will be long after this movie, I was really excited by a lot of the choices they made. Jacqueline, you referenced the pan up. For some reason, all the Harley stuff, even the sexualized stuff, it just worked for me. It feels like her character. It felt true to what I have always off the page thought of Harley to be or in Uh, the animated series, especially in Harley Quinn's own animated series, which took place obviously after this. I think that they did her justice. She had a lot of really great one-liners and her dynamic with Will Smith was really what kept this movie going for me. In terms of favorite scenes, the bar scene. I know that that's the least action-packed scene, but I love that. I liked us taking a a breather for one second and then just kind of being like, "Where, where are we at? Where's everybody's heads at? What's going on? Okay, let's readjust and let's move forward. You had letters from my daughter the whole time. I'm going to get you there. And you're going to end this. I'm going to carry your ass if I have to. This shit is going to be like a chapter in the Bible. Everybody's going to know what we did. My daughter is going to know that her daddy... It's not a piece of shit. Unfortunately, after that is where I think a lot of people really jumped off of the movie. But in that scene, I feel like they captivated us and we were really paying attention to them. Yeah, it, that, that scene was so weird to think about in retrospect, Jacqueline, because I love that bar scene, too. You just get to actually watch them connect as humans and you really could feel the camaraderie, however 
funhouse mirror like it it had been forged it, it felt real in that moment and we were gearing up to go do this battle against enchantress but that battle just i thought was so poorly executed from start to finish it totally just took me i just didn't care about it. it's like i cared so much about them at the bar scene and then i didn't care about anybody for the rest of the movie i just want to get the hell out of the theater how does that change happen so quick I mean, I think it happens when you write the script in six weeks. I mean, look, like uh, we'll get into this in the behind the scenes, but to David Ayer's defense, I don't feel that this movie, this movie was sold on Will Smith, Margot Robbie, Jared Leto, Viola Davis, and they were just like, we have put together such a great cast. We've got to get this in theaters as quickly as possible. And so they just never gave beats for these characters. And it and what's interesting though of it too is that the only time the characters feel lived and real is when they're not fighting. All of the stuff that involves the fight is where it falls apart. When you have Will Smith with his daughter, that feels real. Even Harley Quinn and the Joker falling in love, those feel real. And it just seems like whenever it was separated from the Amanda Waller being devious, you know, it's putting the cast of folks together. All of that felt real and lived in, but they could not translate that to these people then saving the world, which I'm like, I get it's a hard needle to thread because they're anti-heroes, but I just feel it could have been just executed in in an entirely different way. I will say this though, as far as scenes that I do like um, and things that I do like, I don't hate Jared Leto's Joker, and I will tell you why. I know a lot of people have a lot of issues with Jared Leto's Joker, Jared Leto's Joker. The Joker is a character that is very difficult to reinvent. And one of the things that happened is Heath Ledger had already done the Joker as real as you can get it and have it still play true to the character. Like if you met the Joker, he's not going to be Jack Nicholson from the Tim Burton thing. That is more cartoonish in a lot of ways, you know what I'm saying? Or Romeo from like the 1960s. If you had a modern day Joker, he's going to be exactly kind of what Nolan showed in that trilogy. So to really reinvent it, you gotta take some liberties. And I liked that they took the swing for the fences on that character because he's a very hard character, I think, to reinvent. So I appreciate that they took a swing for the fences. Do I agree with everything? Like the damaged tattoo across his face? Maybe not. But I, I do like- I like he's the- like this underground crime lord sort yeah. of thing. I, I thought that was a cool angle to sort of separate it from the Joker incarnations that we had gotten leading up to that because you had to. You had to go away from that Heath Ledger Joker and create some sort of distance. I'm curious for your thoughts, Roxy, on on Joker being in the movie because there's apparently so much more that we could have seen from Joker that was cut out. Do you think Joker got enough screen time in the movie because it didn't take away from the actual squad? Would you have liked to have seen less Joker, more Joker? Where did you stand on it? I'm with Jacqueline in the sense that I'm one of the people in the minority who actually didn't dislike this Joker. There wasn't enough for me to rave about him, so I can't sit here and say he was an amazing Joker, but there also wasn't enough for me to rag on him. I mm. thought that he kind of understood the assignment and yeah. and was just following what what are you going to do if you do have damage written on your forehead and your hair is green and you are throwing Harley into the vat of acid, and that is your dialogue. And 
the amount of people who blame Jared Leto for not liking his Joker, I don't think understand how movie making works. Yeah. Because he didn't he didn't write it and he yeah. didn't costume design himself and he didn't he just I, I thought his performance was totally fine. Yeah. Uh, and and he just was kind of living in what was created around him. I also liked some of the Joker Harley stuff, mostly because Margot Robbie's so good that you felt for her. You you're watching an extremely toxic relationship, which is the at the core of Joker and Harley, what exists, and you believe what's going on because of Margot Robbie's reactions and facial expressions and movements. And so I think that that stuff kind of worked in large part because of her, but also I thought he was fine. Would I have liked to see more in a different story? In this story, I don't know that it would have made much more sense to have Joker in there a ton more. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm on let that me page just, too. Let me just yeah. say this though too, just because I don't want any of the, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker heads to come for me. I am separating Joaquin Phoenix's Joker from that because as much as that film is quote unquote a Joker movie, it is the king of comedy more than that. Like, I feel like that is definitely a movie where they took the plot points from something else and just put a skin of superhero on top of it. Like if you- Have you you used that before? That's really good. No, I have not. I've not, but that's what it is. So yeah. So, like, I just want to say that it's not that it's bad. I'm not, like, trying to criticize that portrayal, but it is it is in the comics and it borrows, obviously, a lot from the comics, but it borrows a lot more from Martin Scorsese. It also borrows. hadn't happened yet. It yes, also exactly. was after this. Yes, and it was after this. But I'm just saying in general, like, you know, people compared the fact that, you know, Heath Ledger was able to do this Joker and then Joaquin Phoenix was able to make another very realistic Joker. Joaquin Phoenix made another realistic Travis Bickle who just happened to laugh. Absolutely, yeah. And and, and I actually feel like Jared Leto's Joker, it didn't move me one way or another. I thought it was the proper amount of screen time. So I know he put a lot in the performance. Sorry, more of it didn't get in the movie. I thought that's what we needed from Joker because the thing I did, I like having Joker in there, not the least of which of reasons is that we got to see one sequence with Batman quickly in it, which was awesome. And but but I, I don't want more Joker in the movie because I wanted this to be Harley Quinn's grand coming out party and I didn't want that sullied by this clearly damaged pun intended relationship that she has with Joker so I wanted it to be her movie and her success less about that relationship we want to get into that relationship make that movie but that's not what I saw Suicide Squad as being so I thought the Joker was properly utilized and now I get to ask my Favorite question, but it's also hard because I really like Roxy. Roxy, you love this movie. You're a huge fan. It was so much fun. Is there a least favorite character that you're like, eh, it didn't really work for me? Yeah, 100%. And it's Enchantress. She, that was that was a bummer. Okay. She, yeah. yeah. The, the best part about Enchantress was the last five years in which I got to make fun of the Enchantress dance. Like that is the best <laughs> thing that happened about Enchantress. Yeah. I, I, to me, oof, I, I hate to just drag somebody, but Cara Delevingne is a model and is in, came up as a model. And I, I don't think that this is a hundred percent her fault because also the way that it was written and the design and just so much riding on her. But when you are, when you have people like Viola Davis and Will Smith 
and even Barco Robbie at this point, like th- that are more vets and you are next to those people and this is not where you are trained. It just showed and mm. it showed the entire movie. Uh, even when she is, what's her name? June, June yeah. before oh, she's definitely. enchantress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, even, and, and both sides, I was like, Ooh, girl, this is just not working. No part yeah. of it's working. And I think that in this film, in a lot of comic book movies, a lot of comic book movies suffer because the villain is lacking. Uh, that's kind of why I'm confused on why this movie gets as much heat as it does, because people seem to overlook that in other comic book movies, but not this one. But in this movie, for sure, the villain is lacking. And I think because of that, the third act is very obviously the weakest. Very yeah. weird, like Axel Rose sort of dance that she's doing towards the end, yeah. and it just none of that worked. I and I actually like Cara Delevingne. I thought she was good in that uh, that Paper Towns movie. I think she was pretty good in that. So yeah, I, I mean that's I, what I, gave I, us that's what gave us the string of her doing big budgets. Because let me give you what her run was right after Paper Towns, Pan, Suicide Squad, and Valerian, the City of yeah. a Thousand Planets. Okay. Girl had a rough run there. I have to give yeah. her this. <laughs> not, not her fault. I mean, not it's her not her fault, fault that they paid nine hundred billion dollars to make Valerian. But yeah, you know it, that that I agree with Roxy. I, I thought she, she was the weakest part of the movie. That character was for me, and that that end fight scene when we're in some sort of underground, uh, the, you know, system, and and we're just we just destroyed all of Chicago, and it just should have been this really cool epic climax. And I just felt. Nothing. Is, is, do you have a different pick, Jacqueline, for like your least favorite character, the character that you just could have kicked right out of the movie? I mean, there's like, it's hard. Like, uh, Kinnerman, I like him. I think he's great character, uh, actor, um, not, but his like Rick Flag, why are you there? What is Scott Eastman? Uh, Eastwood doing in this like he looks like he was so superfluous to everything that that he was about um, yeah I, I think if we're gonna say cringiest character yeah Rick Flag and Katana why are you here mm-hmm. um, she, uh, Roxy took the best one with Enchantress so I, I will say that that is the one that sticks out the most um, but it's not even cringy. They're just like, they're, they're not good. I will say this though, too. Um, I think he may be a friend of yours cause he's a comedian, but Ike, the guy that plays, um, the guard, give him some awards because that was some great performing. He absolutely added a level of comedy to this that didn't feel cringy. Whereas in some of the other cringier aspects did I'll give, I'll give dialogue the cringy. That's what I will give you. We're some sort of suicide squad. I don't know if you know this, but we're the bad guys. Like that is what I give the cringy factor. So no one actor, definitely that's that dialogue. Uh, favorites for me, obviously Viola Davis and, and Will Smith. But what surprised me is that I found Joel Kinnaman and Jai Courtney's characters. I, those guys just never really like popped for me on screen prior to this movie. So I wasn't expecting a lot from them. But I actually really dug both their characters, and I saw some personality there, and I'm like, "Oh, we can do this, God, We can, Joel, Jai, we can do this." So I was pleasantly surprised by them. Again, it just boils down to that the third act completely falling apart in such a way that I can't even get this this movie to fresh. And now we have the new Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad. Will it win an Oscar like the 2016 <laughs> one did for best uh, makeup and hairstyling? I believe. Is what it uh, took in. Also, give it up for the man from Ove. And I think it was 
Ah, who was the other who was the other Oscar nominated for hair and makeup that year? Like it sucks for you guys to lose that year. Don't you feel like if you if were you like take an L to Suicide Squad at the I Oscars, mean, Roxy, that's got to hurt a little bit. That's got to hurt. The reason I don't feel that is because of all the information we hear about like Killer Croc having sitting in the chair for five hours a day before <laughs> you start shooting, you know? Yep, yep. If you're losing to somebody who doesn't care and you're there for 20 minutes and it's just because it's a, a, a big movie, a franchise movie, that's one thing. But of all of the elements of this movie... I think that that was a really strong one. They really gave a crap about that. The way this looked and sounded, they clearly cared about. Now, hey. actual story, I, I hear some of your points. Some of your points. I remembered who it was. It's Star Trek Beyond. If you're not telling me Kroll with Idris Elba or what's her name? The dancer girl. Oh, I can't think of her name. Sophia Boutrell, when she was the, the white girl with the black Boutella, stripes. Yep. Yeah, Brutella. That could have beat this. I'm sorry. Killer Croc is dope, but Idris Elba became an alien to a human over the course of two and a half hours. Hey, I just, it, you think about Adewale in as Killer Croc in that makeup yeah. chair, and you just got to feel for that poor guy where it's like, dude, a couple of years ago, you were in Hawaii filming Lost, just living yeah. it up, and now you're in a crocodile suit on some godforsaken set with a movie that is going to be very uh, controversial when it comes out as far as how people feel about it. And that's really our thoughts on Suicide Squad, the movie itself. So I want to get into the behind the scenes. I want to talk about the David Ayer and how he has sort of changed his tune. Jared Leto's very, very method acting. And if we are excited about James Gunn's new version of the Suicide Squad, we're going to do all that and more right now with behind the scenes. David Ayer came out on that stage at Comic-Con and he gave, it was like a pep talk to 6,000 people. And it wasn't, it, it didn't feel desperate, like, hey, we really need to sell this movie. It was like we were all in a locker room and I was ready to run for through a brick wall for that guy because he was just talking about how excited he is and, and he makes gritty, dirty movies. I mean, this guy did End of Watch. This yeah. guy started his career in Hollywood as a screenwriter for U571. I mean, he knows how to do good, great work. And and so I think that that was another thing that just went to that anticipation of it. But now you have all of this stuff where he was playing the good soldier up until the movie's release. But Roxy, the director himself, just feels like the studio completely raked his movie over the coals, did not in, in any way, shape or form release the cut that he wanted. And now everybody, because they saw Snyder's cut of the Justice League, now they want to see the Ayer cut of Suicide Squad what would the air cut do for you? Do you still hold out hope? Is is there any part of you that says this movie could have been better? Or do you think that the studio sort of taking it from David Ayer's grip made it the best possible movie? Yeah, I don't feel good about loving something that the creator doesn't love. I, I That does hurt my soul a little bit. But I believe that if this had been better received by the audience, I don't think we would have ever heard from Ayer. That's kind yeah. of how these things go. We never Nobody talks about the director's cut when the studio made it better. Right. So <laughs> 100% that. And when things have a 70 or above on Rotten Tomatoes and the audience is really happy with it, we never hear a director come out and say, but they didn't do what I wanted them to do. The directors kind of just say like, oh, okay, you guys liked it. I think the air mostly has spoken up because this got bashed 
mm. not and not as much by the audience. And remembering that this made three quarters of a billion dollars. It's yeah. not like this movie didn't bring in way more money than the studio could have expected on a Suicide Squad film with characters that we had never seen before. So in that sense, he did his job. But I, I feel bad that he didn't get to show us what he wanted to see. I think that I, at, ver- at first, when we had heard about release the Snyder Cut, I was like, mm, how much could that really help? Spoiler alert, it really effing helped. So <laughs> you never know. You don't know what these things. Do I want to see the air cut? In my heart of hearts, yeah, I do. I do. I'm just kind of a curious person. I don't think that this should be the trend these days where every time something doesn't do well, we release the blank cut. But the fact that David Ayer has been com- campaigning for this and there now it kind of doesn't really even matter with the future of it. I'm interested. I'm yeah. curious. I think yeah. sometimes it, it is easier just to say, hey, this is what I would have done and actually not have it come out because Apparently, I mean, he was making a much darker movie than, than yeah. what we got. And and I don't think that there was as much going to be as much humor and probably not as much of a music video feel. And so if he makes an even darker, grittier sort of movie, might be interesting. And maybe it, it pays off in the third act better than it did with Enchantress, the way that they went with that. I, I think sometimes it is just best to let sleeping dogs lie, especially when you have the Suicide Squad coming out. But one of the interesting things about him as a director is that he has some very like, like sort of odd things that, according to the cast, really helped them bond making this movie. I mean, some of the cast, like, like they would share person, very personal stories about them, like how they became the person that they are. And then that was incorporated into it. And so like when Roxy is talking about how powerful that bar scene is, I think a lot of that is due to David Ayer and the, the bonding techniques that he had with the cast leading up to Scenes like that. There's a couple cast members that got tattoos to, to solidify that, that they're in that they're in the squad. And yeah. then Jack, when that also lends itself to, well, some actors prepare differently than others. And oh. that Jared Leto, uh, man, he uh, he caused some shenanigans on set, didn't he? Look, I'm not going to look. Everyone has their process, but I will tell you this. There's not a lot of POC method actors because you know what you call a POC method actor? Unemployed. There is a privilege to be the type of person who sends a rat to Margot Robbie or use condoms or whatever thing else that he's like sent to the cast members or like not speaking to them as Jared. He he required people on set to refer to him as Joker. Like all of these things, like I get it especially when you look at some of the method actors who have used that process to achieve incredible things on screen. I'm not trying to dis- dismiss anybody's process, but I'm just saying you have to operate from a level of privilege to be allowed to do the shenanigans that these people were allowed to do in the pursuit of their art. Jacqueline, I'm totally with you. I think excellent in, point. in 2021, I actually kind of don't think it would have flown. Yeah, uh, I think that this this came one or two years. It it, it like just slid in. He just got by. Uh, yeah. and I, I don't know that it would have been the same. Obviously, it ended up being bizarre, too, because if we were talking about this, like he's the greatest joker of all time, the conversation around it might be different. But because people didn't really love his joker and then they're finding out he's sending the sticky magazines, it's like, Ugh. Yeah, your, your method acting didn't 
necessarily translate on screen. So now you're just sending sticky magazines. Yeah, I'm yeah. curious for your take on that too, Roxy, because you're about to go on set to, to, to shoot a movie for a few weeks, which is very exciting. Would it be less or more exciting if somebody who's playing a villain in your movie sent you a rat? And to her credit, Margot Robbie had fun with it. Margot Robbie, it was a live rat, and she kept the rat alive. She used it as a pet. She got like a yeah. wheel for it and stuff, so she had mm-hmm. a pet rat while she's making the movie. But like, if, if that's making you get in character, is that at the expense of the other actors? There's a rehearsal room story where a bunch of them are rehearsing, and then he has a henchman drop off a dead hog and just, oh, here he goes from Joker. And it's like, okay, I'm glad you're getting into character, but Roxy, wouldn't that throw any of us off our game? I think the dead animals would not throw me off if I'm Harley because I think that kind of would help me get into character in some ways. But <laughs> but the used condoms, I think that that is where, that's where my personal line would be drawn. That's your I, line. I'm not okay. trying mm-hmm. to... I'm not trying to get those condoms in my DMs and certainly not on my doorstep. Yeah. Also, I might add, though, too, on the whole uh, Joker thing, one person who he did not do anything to was Viola Davis. Like, this was like, she actually spoke to the press store. She was like, nah, he he didn't bring any of that smoke near me. Like, literally. And I was like, Mm -hmm. that's because you're Viola Davis. And let's be honest, even Jared Leto probably knows better than to be like, you know what I mean? Like, like he didn't he didn't play that game with her at all. Um, also, when we were talking about the director cut, let's be honest, though. The first director who made the case for like, I didn't get to make my movie like hardcore in the sort of modern superhero age was actually Josh Trank. With his what? Fantastic Four, which he actually yeah. reviewed on Letterboxd. And like tweeted the opening weekend, like, I hope you guys will eventually get to see the movie I did, which I also have to say, the directors that are able to do that, you're operating from a place of privilege. Mm-hmm. Like there, not a lot of other directors could say those things and still get a job. And, and still work. Right. And still work. Like, I just feel like people are not appreciating the fact that not everybody is allowed to tell their truth and not be punished for it. Well, it's it, it, it sometimes it does come full circle in Hollywood. And that's certainly the case with James Gunn getting to now have this big comic book yeah. movie yet again in a very different way than maybe he thought his career was was going to go five years ago. And True. he was unceremoniously fired from Guardians of the Galaxy three for old tweets that surfaced. And now he's back doing this Suicide Squad movie. And I will say, look, the guy knocked Guardians of the Galaxy out of the park. He's got, a, in my opinion, a great sense of humor on screen. And I think that this movie has a lot of potential in his hands with this cast, some of whom is returning from Suicide Squad 2016. You have Margot Robbie back. I believe Joel Kinnaman and Jai Courtney are back. Viola Davis is back as Amanda Waller. And so there is some some familiarity with this movie. Are we excited about it? Start with you, Roxy. And do you like that they're bringing some of the characters back from David Ayer's Suicide Squad? So I've seen this and uh, I oh, you have. I've seen this and okay. uh, so am I excited about it? Ah! That's, what I, that's my, what that I'll say. Good. But that sounded good. It sounded good. No, here's what, here's what I'm going to say. I just talked to you guys for an hour about a movie that I love 
So are you going to take my advice on how I feel about this movie? I love this movie. Obviously, I love this movie. Did you think I wasn't going to like the, the Suicide Squad in what world? It was freaking awesome. Okay, yeah. what's the biggest difference then between Suicide Squad 2016 and The Suicide Squad 2021? What's the one thing that you're like, oh, that is very different? Is it a tone? Is it a flow? Is it less music? What, what is the, the big difference? I think that they definitely course corrected on this one, especially story wise. The mm, okay. the weakest part of the of Suicide Squad was what is the story arc. The mm. and that's very strong in this next one. So I think that the people and and the villain and the the main villain as well. I think that this was very not similar to the first one in a lot of ways. In tone it is a little more similar just because the Suicide Squad is always going to be a motley crew of characters that we are somewhere on the anti-hero kind mm. of hero kind of villain spectrum. So if you I can't imagine anybody liking Suicide Squad and not liking the Suicide Squad. I'm curious for all the people who didn't like Suicide Squad how they're going to feel. Although from what we're seeing based on Twitterverse this movie is getting thumbs up across the board from everybody. So, so far. I did see a lot of so that. So far. Let's How see you what feeling? The, see yeah, what Jacqueline, are, are we going to see this opening night? Are, are we excited? Uh, it's going to be on HBO Max, right? Yeah. I, I may. <laughs> are uh, you going to wait? Jacqueline, play what happened? On, look, okay, like, I don't think I really even told the full story. Suicide Squad broke up me in D.C., me and DC, I, the very first comic book I purchased was Death in the Family because I went to my second grade class and somebody told me that Robin was dead because I used to come home every single day and watch Batman the Animated Series. And this dude in my class, his name was Nick. He was an artist. And I was like, oh my God, I love me some Batman and Robin and this and da da And he was like, yeah, you know, Robin's dead, right? Like that kid that tells you Santa Claus yep. doesn't exist. Yep. And so my love of Batman and DC has like, completely uh. gone on through then. And it was like, when, when Burton did his, it was like young love. And then when we got to stupid Robin, uh, Batman and Robin, it was like, oh, he cheated on me. Uh, this is not good. But then we got Christopher Nolan's arc and it was like, oh my God, we're back and we're back in love. And then this movie was like, he cheated with my sister. I was done. I was done with this franchise. I was done with their live actions. I will stick on the animated form. So no, this movie broke me. And so I just cannot put any more emotional investment into these characters because they have they have hurt me too many times. I think wow, we need to get Nick is... on the phone and see what he thinks yeah. about this one. You should call him and tell him. But he was in Mrs. Carrillo's class at a, uh, oh God, Club of States in Corpus Christi, Texas. And he told Good. me that Robin was dead. And I literally was like, you've broken my soul. I'm not We've a fan of this our... Nick kid. You don't do yeah. that to another kid. <laughs> Don't tweet spoilers at him from every movie ever. Do you know this person's dead? How about this person? Yeah. Hey Nick, did you see The Sixth Sense? I got a surprise for you. I mean, but it made me go to a, it made me go to a comic book store for the first time. Yeah, I, I remember kids telling me that, that Superman was going to die. That's uh, that's that, that's me dating myself. Uh, Lucy, let's let's wrap this up with you as well. I mean, we have James Gunn doing the Suicide Squad. I know I asked you at the top of the show. Are you going with me to see it? Because I want to see this movie in a theater. I yes. I. 
I, I think that, that even though I was disappointed by the first one, I am curious to see what this one does differently. Roxy has sold me that it does enough different things to yes. give it a clean slate in my mind. So Jacqueline's going to watch it on the small screen, which I've been to Jacqueline's place. She has a giant TV. She's going to have a great time. <laughs> I want to see it on the big on the biggest screen possible. So I think I'm going to the movies. I'm going with you. I'll okay. buy I'll buy I'll smuggle the treats in. Don't know. Um, no, I know you're a mom and I know that that's like a mom <laughs> thing to do. But no, I want to wait in line, happily do so. And I will if you want to sneak candy and that's fine. Yeah. I am buying a, a hot, fresh tub of popcorn at the theater. Yes. Delicious. I'm super excited to see the shark character. Uh, yeah. Is he voiced by Sly Stallone? Sylvester? Mm-hmm. Is that a spoiler? Oh, my God. Sylvester Stallone does the I voice of... <laughs> Now, now, wait, yeah, you got to see the movie to figure out how to pronounce it. Taika Waititi's in it. I Sharks. It's going to be John good. John Cena, Idris Elba. Sharks and Idris Elba. I mean, what, what more do you want out of this movie? Um, That's all I want. What's, what's going to be enjoyable for, uh, for us here on the show is that Roxy brought up the term Motley Crue a number of times. I did listen to Kickstart My Heart at my workout at 5 a.m. this morning. Whoa! Because they get us up early here at Rotten Tomatoes. So I had to work out extra early. That leads in to kind of... A trivia question about another rock star that we're going to get to in just a sec. But right now, Mr. Brian Perez, our esteemed engineer, it's time for Mailbag. We love when our ketchup crew emails us. Y'all can email us anytime. RT is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com. That's RT is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com. And this is from esteemed ketchup crew member McKenna Callahan. And... The movie in question is Memoirs of a Geisha. She says, hi, friends. I've honestly been pissed about this for years. I know that Memoirs of a Geisha wasn't perfectly executed, with the biggest grape for most people being the casting controversy. However, the film is absolutely beautiful, Oscar-winning cinematography, and so well-performed. Gong Li is a goddess. It should not have a 35% rating on the tomato meter. There are much shittier movies that have higher ratings, even some you've already covered on the podcast. I can go deeper into my reasoning if you're interested, but I wanted to make sure this was on your radar. Thanks. No, thank you, McKenna Callahan. That was a, a great and impassioned, and you made me say a swear, so a nickel goes in the jar, but it was worth it because you're clearly in love with Memoirs of a Geisha. I've never seen this movie. My history with this movie is limited to... King Kong was out at the same time, and I remember talking to my brother on the phone because him and his then-girlfriend, who's now his wife, were going to the movies, and he said that they went to go see Memoirs of a Geisha. And I'm like, Robbie, you got to take control of this relationship. King Kong is, is at the movies, and you're going to see Memoirs of Robbie, it's King Kong! So I was mad at my brother for giving in to his wife's wishes, and clearly it worked out for him okay. Anybody care about Memoirs of a Geisha? Anybody have feelings? I mean... I just remember the controversy with Madonna wanting to play that character. I remember very little about that movie. No, so I think this is like legit, unless my brain is playing tricks on me. Madonna lobbied like very heavily to play the lead character in Memoirs of a Geisha mm. and then actually shot a music video, like her like kimono look that she did in one of her music videos was essentially her so that is like the most interesting thing I can think about that one because I barely remember that movie. But I would talk about it. ScarJo was so excited by that. She did the same thing for the rest of her career. Uh, oh! I, I, have, I have so little. I know I saw this when I was in high school, 
I have so little memory of this one way or another that it must not have neither moved me nor upset me. I think that worth a rewatch. And if y'all want to talk about it, then that then hello, here I am. I would love to rewatch this. Rob Marshall directed Memoirs of a Geisha. Well, he did. What what was that about? I'll check it oh out. Oh my god! I well, will, the- uh, here, look, I'm seeing. I'm, I'm at my brother's place right now. I will make a deal with my brother. He has to watch Peter Jackson's King Kong, and I'll put on Memoirs of a Geisha. My movie's going to be finished first. I know that. My movie's ending before Peter Jackson's King Kong ends. Mm, Peter Jackson's King Kong is actually a pretty good movie, though. I will yeah. say this: it is a pretty yeah. good movie. It got it got a bad rap. It did. It's long, I think. but it's, yeah, it's very very good. And speaking of good movies. Somebody on this show today is going to go make a great one. We have full confidence in her. That is the one, the only Roxy Stryer. Roxy, it was a delight. Tell us how much you can about this upcoming film project. I, You and I have been friends for a long time, and I am just so excited to see hard work pay off. Woo, 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 woo. See, she brought it back. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be in a movie. I'm really excited about this. We are going to film on location for the next several weeks. it's. Uh, I feel confident talking about it because it's on my IMDb, so I feel like that means that I'm allowed to say it's yeah. called Always Lola. I'm Lola, uh, and so... I, You're the title of the movie? Yeah. I am the... Wow. Mark, I've been waiting my whole life to say this. I am the titular character. Damn the right titular you are. Ca- and I have to say, I first read this script three years ago, and it has my whole heart. It's really it. It is a beautiful indie um, letter. I, I feel like it's a love letter um, from the writer to a to a friend, and it is. It's really good. It's really really effing good. So I'm more than excited to do it. I'm certainly not sleeping these days in preparation. And when I come back here afterwards, I'll let you guys know how it went. Okay, top three animals, live or dead, that you want Jacqueline and I to send you while you're on set to help us get into character. If you could find a unicorn, then you can <laughs> then you can kill it and send it to me. <laughs> wow. Okay, we're killing unicorns here on this show. Um, before we let you get out of here, Roxy, do you have a good streaming recommendation for the kids at home? I know you're a huge TV fan, you're a TV expert, so if you want to go in that world, that is totally cool. So I'm going to tell you guys about a show that I honestly am not sure if you've ever heard of. This is something that I binged about a year ago. And in that time, I feel like nobody's listened to me and I, ne- I need somebody to listen to me. So here is here's the, the show. It's called How to Sell Drugs Online Fast. That is a real title of the show. It's on Netflix. It's dubbed. I think that it was a think that it was a German show and it's dubbed here now. Uh, I watched the dub version because I can't it, it they move really fast because we're talking about drugs. So I I needed to not just have subtitles because it so, it's so fast. But I hear that it's even better if you can do the subtitle version. This show is awesome. I don't know why it's not more talked about. It's one of those Netflix things that got totally buried. And the reason I'm bringing it up today is because it's not the same as Suicide Squad at all, but if you like things that are like, what the F is happening right now? What is going on here? This is definitely that show. It has three seasons, so there's enough for you to really chew on, and it's it's, re- it's really, really, really stellar. 
the acting is incredible. The storyline is bonkers. It's about somebody who needs to make money and start selling drugs online fast. And just everything that happens is it's an awesome show. I I need Netflix to promote it more because That's somebody please one. listen to me. Okay. I have no one to yeah. talk to about it. And it's based okay. on a real story. That's yeah. based on based an on actual real story. real story. Yeah, like this dude literally did become one of the most prolific drug dealers online. For Wait, like, Jacqueline, are you watching? No, I watched the documentary hmm. that eventually inspired that show. So I didn't watch the show, but I watched the doc that um, inspired it. And yeah, yeah. Whew. It's right, well, wild. Everybody wild. needs a dream out there. So have at it, kids. All right, I did promise a, a quick trivia question about a rock star. So David Ayer's very first screenwriting credit is U571, the submarine movie. Roxy, I know you hate, hate, hate when I ask you trivia. So I'm going to give you an easy phone of Jacqueline if you need to. Okay. But what famous rock star plays one of the crew of the submarine who unceremoniously gets his face blown off about halfway into the movie? In U571? Yeah, U571. Huge, huge rock star. Is that the McConaughey thing? Uh, McConaughey is in it. Yes, sir. What year are we talking, Mark? Mid-90s, like late 90s, 96, 97. What huge rock star. Huge rock star. I mean, he was living on a prayer? Yes! 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 Roxy so Stryer. who's the rock star? It's, it's, it's Bon John Bon John? Yeah. John Bon Jovi. Close enough. We can give you credit. What do you for mean close getting... enough? I'm nicknaming got... my man. Close right. enough. Wow. John bon I was going to guess Mick in... Jagger, so I was really far off. He was mm-hmm. great in Wait, Free Jack. What happens to bon John, John Bon Jovi? He gets his face uh, blown off? Yeah, I think they all the, die. Yeah, he meets like the wrong end of like a cannonball. Or so. it's, it, it's not pretty. So he's been in Young Guns 2 where he eats it, and he also eats it in U571. I think he survived uh, Romeo's Bleeding, though, so... Good or not, Romeo's bleed. Ah, we'll we'll figure it out on the next episode of the show. We got to wrap things up. But Roxy, it has been so great having you here. Um, thank you again so much. Good luck on set. We know you're going to crush it, and uh, you have our full support. Cannot wait to check out the movie where you play the titular character. As for us here on the show, Jacqueline, we always love when folks email us. As we said, you can subscribe to this show, rate, review, do all those things wherever you enjoy listening to this podcast. Thanks for watching us on any one of our platforms. And how about it for Grandpa's Jersey Devil? Pretty cool look, huh? Thank you to everybody for listening to the show, for watching the show. Thanks to the hardworking team here at Rotten Tomatoes for making us sound and look good every week. That would be engineer Brian Perez, producer Lucy, our esteemed guest, Roxy Stryer. Thanks for being on the show while, you know, you're, you're still not giving an Oscar acceptance. If you want to mention us in the Oscar acceptance speech, you're more than welcome to. Mm, yes. We will accept that. That is Roxy, my co-host Jacqueline Coley. I'm just Mark Ellis. Thanks for listening, and we'll tune in to y'all when you tune in to us next week. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.